Welcome to the Ottawa Business Journal's live broadcast of pandemic era workplaces, vaccinate, vaccinations, reopening offices, and remote work. I'm Michael Kern from the Ottawa Business Journal. Thanks for joining us today. Well, today we're going to talk about the issue I think that's on everyone's minds. It's certainly on my mind now that people age 40 and over are eligible for AstraZeneca. Uh, just this week, Canada surpassed 10 million vaccine doses administered, and that's real progress in this pandemic. There is widespread hope that the rollout of COVID-19 vaccines will enable a full economic recovery, and of course, a return to normalcy when it comes to our businesses. Uh, but the vaccines raise interesting legal questions, particularly for employers. For example, can employees be forced to get vaccinated? Do they need to disclose whether they've been vaccinated? And besides vaccines, there are other legal issues for employers. For example, uh, what are the risks to employers if they're shifting to a permanent work from home solution? So we have all of this on our agenda today and uh, excited to dig into it. Uh, before we introduce our guests though, let me introduce my colleague from the Ottawa Business Journal. Please welcome Peter Cavesi. Hi Mike, hey, how Peter. are you? Good. Good. Well, again, we've got a great show lined up for people. And uh, why don't you tee things up a little bit in terms of your role today, Peter? Well, we really want to make this webinar as interactive as possible and make sure that we're covering the uh, the issues that uh, that our audience is facing uh, at their uh, at their workplace. So we're encouraging everyone to please share the questions that are on your mind in the chat window that's either to the side or just below the uh, the video box. Note that you do need to be logged into YouTube in order to uh, submit your questions and I'll be posing some of those uh, the questions to our guests towards the end of the broadcast and I'll be back in just a few minutes to share the results of some of the advanced polling that we did in advance of today's webinar. Thanks, Peter. Um, listen, before we introduce our uh, guests, uh, let's just say that acknowledge that this pandemic has thrown our employee policies into, you know, chaos. Our our employee handbooks are are to some degree, you know, out the window. And this is the time when you do need uh, expert legal advice, and that's what we're giving you here today. We have partner with the local law firm of Eamon Harnden LLP. This is a boutique law firm that specializes in management. Uh, side labor and employment law. Please welcome with us today, Raquel Chisholm. Hello, Raquel. Hi. How are you Thank doing you today? Having... I'm doing okay. Yeah. yeah. All, things, all things considered. Yeah, I'm doing okay. So Ra Raquel, I'm sure your phone and your email, your phone's been ringing off the hook. Your email has been overloaded by some of your clients asking questions. What's your professional life been in the, uh, now that we're 13 and a, uh, uh, 13 months or so into this? Uh, I, I would say as an employment lawyer, um, I've been on the same roller coaster that my clients have been on, right, since the beginning of this. And our, um, you know, from a year ago when it, it, everything was up in the air and we didn't know what was happening and people were just scrambling to get people to work from home or to protect those who had to be in the workplace. Um, and, you know, whether it came to layoffs or, or um, leaves of absence and I mean, it's just been um, it's just been a whirlwind. And then as restrictions eased and then bringing people back into work and then they would go back and they had to work from home again. It's just been it's been a true roller coaster, um, you know, for our clients from their employment law, law side of things, while they're also trying to just deal with keeping the lights on um, in terms of uh, reduced revenues and so on. So it's it's been a year. It's yeah. been a year. But um you know, I, I'm pretty proud of people's resilience. 
That's, uh, I'm, I'm amazed too, by the way, I, I'm amazed that people have been resilient. And uh, again, I, you know, I can't imagine of a more important time to be getting some employment uh, law advice from people. So uh, Raquel, we're going to be back to you in uh, just a second. Uh, I'm going to go through today's agenda. We have, as uh, we often do, divide this into three different topics. So topic number one is employee vaccines. Uh, topic number two is the vaccinated workplace. Topic number three are, is about virtual workplaces. So this concept of work from home. And as we always do, in about 25 minutes, we'll end off with a Q&A with today's live participant. So let's dig, uh, Raquel, right into the first topic. And I think is it is the one that's top of mind, as mentioned. And it is this topic of COVID-19 uh, vaccine. So I think as we, uh, as indicated, um, 10 million Canadians, uh, or doses, I should make the differentiate, 10 million doses have now been administered. But, the, but that means that more and more of our employers are potentially vaccinated. Uh, and we're thinking a little bit more as employers are bringing people back to the office. So the question, uh, first question to you, Raquel, is can you force employees to get vaccinated? So I would say that as of today, which, you know, things change on a dime all the time, but because the science right now doesn't tell us whether taking a vaccine protects others, it only speaks to you um, right now that it protects ourselves when we, when we get the vaccine. I think we need to keep that in mind. And, um, and so because of that, you know, we have to look at it through a lens of health and safety. So normally when you put rules like, something is, is um, sort of ex extreme, I would even say, that you're requiring someone to get a medical procedure, a vaccine, before coming into work, you have to look at that through an occupational health and safety lens. And right now, I just don't think um, that, uh, except in extraordinarily rare circumstances, that employers would be permitted to, um, to mandate vaccines for privacy reasons, for um, human rights reasons. Um, and right now, with all of the health and safety measures that are currently in place in workplaces, I think an employer would be hard pressed to say to, uh, to an, employee, an employee that for health and safety reasons, you have to be vaccinated in order to come back to work. When people have been back at work with all the other um, health and safety measures in place, like distancing and masks and so on. Interesting. Um, so we've got a series of questions. So the, your first answer was no, you can't force them to get the vaccine. So a, a, the natural follow-up might be, can I ask or or can I force employees to disclose whether they've got a, 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 the vaccine yet? Yeah. I mean, in the normal course, you wouldn't go around asking people, did you get your flu shot? Have you been, did you get your flu, your shot for the mumps and measles and so on? I mean, that we just don't do that, right? Um, but I would think, and I would advise clients that with COVID it's different, that um, that because of the health and safety risks of COVID, that it would be permissible to ask for um, acknowledgement maybe, not necessarily proof, you don't need to provide a doctor's note or what have you, but acknowledgement that one has been vaccinated. And then with that comes, now you are in possession of personal health information, essentially of an employee, and you have to treat it um, like you would any other health information. And so treat it confidentially. You don't go sp splattering everybody's, you know, a checklist on, on your bulletin board in the office about whether who's <laughs> vaccinated and who's not, right? You need to treat that confidentially. Um, but I would suggest that 
that question compared to, you know, when's the last time you got a flu shot um, in the workplace is a more legitimate question. So yes, I would, um, I would feel comfortable with employers asking that. Okay. And what about an incentive? So we, you know, you just said a few minutes ago, you can't force them. So what if I were to say to employees, well, I'll give you an incentive to get vaccinated. Uh, what, what is your legal opinion on that? So it, it seems intuitive that, well, why don't I provide, if I can't provide a stick, right, I can't threaten to fire you if you don't get vaccinated. What about a carrot? So, um, you know, I would suggest that you have to try it a little carefully with the carrots. So for example, hey, whoever gets vaccinated, you get an extra week's vacation next summer, something along those lines. And the reason you wanna tread carefully on that is because what if somebody has a disability, a medical condition that prevents them from getting the vaccine? And, and then they don't get that extra week's vacation through no fault of their own. Um, and, and so that could be a human rights violation potentially. And there's religions too who, that would preclude somebody um, from getting a vaccine. And so that too, you know, could be a human rights violation. And so I would be very careful about incentives, but I think there are targeted incentives that would make sense to me, which would be if you have an appointment to get vaccinated, you get that day off with pay. You may even get the next day off with pay because some people get aches and chills and headaches. And um, I felt after mine, I felt a little sluggish, you know, um, and, put in kind of a, an okay day of work, but not great. Um, and so that kind of targeted incentive, making it easy for someone to go and get vaccinated, um, I think would would pass muster because the only reason I'm getting today off is because I'm going to get vaccinated. And so if somebody else can't, is not going to get vaccinated, they can't complain that they're not um, getting that day off with pay because they're not losing. They wouldn't be losing any pay. Um, and so I think you need, need to tread carefully um, but I think there's nothing wrong with being a cheerleader in the workplace and a leader in the workplace um, in terms of uh, in terms of vaccination. Well, I, I really like that idea too. So the the idea of uh, if you need if you're getting the vaccine, I'll give you the day off, and if you need the next day off, uh, just because you've had a little bit of um, uh, impact or or uh, side effects from the vaccine, then they'll do that. Those are those are really uh, common sense and interesting suggestions, Raquel. Uh, I want to ask one other question on this. So so pretend uh, or imagine, if you will, that I've got suppliers and contractors coming into my office. Um, can I say to those people, well, you can't, you know, Mr. Supplier, Mrs. Supplier, contractor, come into the office until unless you demonstrate to me that you've been vaccinated. Is it a different, is it a different uh, question and answer? Yeah, well, there's different laws in place, right? So under that relationship that you would have a, with a supplier is a commercial relationship. And in that case, um, the, um, the federal PIPEDA privacy legislation may kick in um, in that in that realm. And so, you know, you need, there's a whole slew of uh, law uh, requirements under PIPEDA in terms of the collection and the collection needs to be reasonable uh, of personal information and so on. And so you need to think about that very differently than with your employees, um, where in the um, provincial sphere, um, we don't have that same requirement. So, so I would try carefully again on that. And and again, it would be almost a practical question. Like somebody could lie to you, right? Or, yeah. you know, and, and 
And are you just going to take their word for it? What if they did lie and you and you got rid of all your other health and safety requirements like masks and um, social distancing and so on? And so I think there might be a false sense of security in those certain circumstances hmm. as well. That's, that's just really, my personal, not necessarily legal opinion. But and that's interesting too. Just the yeah. distinction between employees and contractors. I would have mixed them up, and and that's why we need uh, sage advice yeah. from people like you, Raquel. So listen, we're going to go to our first uh, poll. And as Peter indicated, uh, we did some advanced polling. So let's bring Peter back on screen now. Peter, you asked today's audience an advanced question, and you're going to present the findings. Go ahead with that. So for our first poll question, we wanted to get a sense as to how eager our, our audience is to uh, to get their job. And uh, what we found uh, when we asked uh, that, that question is that there's virtually no vaccine hesitancy uh, amongst our audience. Everyone is very eager to uh, get the vaccine as soon as it becomes uh, available. So Raquel, I want to pose a, qu a question to you, and it's a bit of a, uh, a variation on uh, something we were just talking about. But I've heard the question of, are employers required to give employees the day off work in order to allow them to get their vaccine? So no, unless there's something in um, a, like a policy or a contractual requirement. So if in a collective agreement, for example, in a unionized environment, there's um, time off with pay for medical appointments, one could argue that the vaccine is a medical appointment. So, so absent any sort of written legal kind of contractual requirement to give time off for medical appointments um, or a policy, for example, you know, um, for time off for, yeah, any sort of medical procedure or what have you. No, you're not required to do that. You just need to check your own policies and your collective agreements to see uh, whether or not um, they would require you. Interesting. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, just a reminder to our audience that uh, there are some questions uh, c coming in. Uh, please do share what's on uh, your mind. We'll be posing questions uh, uh, from the uh, the chat window to Raquel towards the end of the broadcast. Mike, back over to you. All right, Peter, we'll see you in a few minutes. Um, all right, Raquel, we're going to talk now about topic number two, which is the vaccinated workplace. So uh, imagine, if you will, that uh, employees are coming back to the office. Um, um, and and some are probably at home. I guess that that's the nature of the question right there. Is uh, can an employer direct uh, where an employee is working? Yeah, I, I think the short answer to that is yes. Again, subject to what one might have in an employment contract or collective agreement. Um, so, but for the most part, yes. You um, this sort of everybody get home and work from home has been a temporary measure during the pandemic. And so um, there wouldn't be a risk of sort of a constructive dismissal claim to say, okay, the pandemic is over, this exceptional circumstance is over, everybody come back, subject, of course, to whatever public health has said, of and the course. province has said in terms of, um, in terms of the, the guidelines about workplaces. So obviously that's the overarching consideration and then the consideration in any written document you have. But for the most part, yes. Once this is over and public health gives you okay, you can say, okay, everybody, back to work. Okay, you can't you can say back to work or stay at home. Oh, so yeah, it works both ways. And then if we uh, if people are back in the office, this is more of a health and safety question, by the way. If people do come back to the office and then uh, unfortunately someone tests a positive for COVID nineteen, then what happens? What what are the obligations of an em employer in that situation? Right. Well, the overarching obligation of an employer is always to maintain the health and safety of your employees. 
And so actually the province requires all employers now to have a safety plan in place about how to do that. Um, and I would say that employers need to follow all um, the guidelines coming out from the province and in Ottawa's case from um, Dr. Vera Etches and her, and her folks, her, her team. Um, and to, to do um, all the things that public health would require of you. Um, and so that, you know, that means to cooperate with any contract tracing, to ensure um, the workplace has been cleaned out, um, to be sort of open and transparent um, to the best you can. Um, and I think the, the, key, the key piece, of course, is what we've been hearing all along is you need to have those screening things in place, right? That you're legally obligated now to screen employees. Um, and if they have any symptoms, they're not supposed to be coming to work. Um, you know, and in fact, if an employee does have symptoms and, and lies because of the, um, in the screening of that and says they haven't gotten symptoms or they haven't had contact with someone who's been positive, you know, that's disciplinable um, for right. sure. And so I think you need to be really strict on those things. And then in the unfortunate um, case where someone, oh, apologies, I've lost in your bed. Yeah, that's um, okay. <laughs> uh, in the unfortunate case where there has been a positive case, then you just follow all of the public health rules um, and cooperate with public health as much as possible. Okay, a little bit of a follow-up question and it's a different twist. So if my employees come back to the office and if during the, you know, the peak of the pandemic, I had plexiglass and I had arrows on floors and I said, everyone must wear their mask when they're not uh, sitting at their desk. Do so once people are vaccinated, do you need to continue as an employer insisting on those uh, health and safety regulations? I would say yes until public health tells us otherwise. So everything we've been hearing so far is, is that again, while the vaccine can protect you, um, from a, a serious consequence of COVID. Um, the science isn't there yet about whether it stops you from getting it at all. Um, and um, it certainly is not there in terms of transmission. And so I may be vaccinated against the serious risks, but if I get it and give it to a colleague who maybe they are vaccinated, but somebody in their household is not, like you just have to be super careful. And okay. so until public health says, um, you know, you can take off the tape, off the carpet, and you can take the plexiglass down. Um, I think that employers um, are uh, obligated to follow all of those rules. Okay. And it's interesting. Well, wait and see how many of those things stick around. Like sure. the next time you actually are feeling not great, you may wear a mask to work <laughs> yeah. two years from now because yeah. you've got the sniffles. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what people do sort of voluntarily, but certainly now they have to follow those rules. Okay. So if public health regulations are wear a mask inside the office, have plexiglass, your message to employers is, is you better follow those rules or you might yeah, encounter legal issues. Vaccinated or not until yeah. there's different, until there's different guidance. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's bring uh, Peter back on screen. Peter, you had uh, two advanced poll questions and uh, the second one also had to do with vaccines. So uh, let us know uh, what you found out, Peter. 
So for our second poll question, specifically, we wanted to, uh, to ask people when they predict they'll be back uh, in the office working uh, alongside their colleagues. Of course, we know this is a moving target, you know, as the public health situation does uh, does ebb and flow. Uh, when I see the results, I see sort of two takeaways. You know, the first is that uh, very few people are expecting uh, an imminent return to the office at uh, this spring, which is probably no, no surprise given uh, what we've seen the last few weeks uh, as far as uh, case count goes. The, uh, the, the, the most popular response say that, uh, that they predict they'll be back uh, by by the fall. That's when uh, people will be uh, returning uh, to uh, to the office. Raquel, I was wondering if you can help uh, um, help give some insights uh, um, for an employer's uh, point of view. What should an employer be thinking about as they're preparing to reopen uh, their office and welcome employees back? What could what would be some of the the triggers or signs that uh, that that uh, they would have the the green light and that they could uh, start uh, start bringing employees back to the office? Yeah, I mean, we're all sort of slave to um, the public health Twitter <laughs> Twitter feed right now. I don't know. I know I am. Uh, it's going to be, it really is going to be um, uh, gauged by what the, the regulations say, both from the province and from public health. And then when they give the go ahead, then the employers need to think about, you know, are they prepared to do that? Um, and how much notice should you give your employees, right? You have a right to say, all right, everybody come back, but people have lives um, and they've been living a certain way now for a year and a half. Um, and so, uh, you know, employers should be reasonable when it comes to the notice that they need to give employees um, about that return to work and anticipate that you, there may be requests for accommodations um, about that. For example, remote learning for students that may, there may be family accommodation uh, requests from employees or employees who are um, have disabilities and couldn't get vaccinated and are worried about coming back um, to the workplace. You know, the idea that they just have a general unease because of COVID, that's not a good enough reason, but there are human rights accommodations and those will have to be assessed on a case by case basis. And then just giving people like enough notice, um, uh, you know, if you say it's Friday, you gotta be back on Monday. And if you don't come back, you're fired. I'm not sure that's gonna fly in terms of um, what a court or a tribunal might uh, consider to be reasonable. That's a really, really good uh, good uh, takeaway advice. Uh, just a reminder that uh, we do have a lot of great uh, questions coming in, so please join the conversation. Share the questions that are on your mind in the chat window uh, just to the side of the, uh, the video. I'll be posing those to, uh, to Raquel uh, towards the end of the broadcast. Mike, back over to you. All right, Raquel. Uh, topic number three is uh, virtual workplaces, and all of these questions pertain to um, specifically companies that want to continue working from home. So there are people that are employers that are eager to bring their off their employees back to the office. There are the opposite. There are employers out there who are kind of concluding that, you know, this work from home thing, it's really working. So that, in, in fact, is uh, the first question. So we're going to explore or ask you to explore a little bit around the liability that people, employers might have in asking em em employees to work permanently from home. So there's the question. Can I, as an employer, say uh, you're working permanently from home? I think you said yes to that. But if I do, if I make that decision, what liability or risks am I undertaking as an, um, as an employer? Yeah, you can certainly ask your employees to work permanently from home. But again, unless there's something in their employment contracts that would give you the authority to do that unilaterally, forcing someone to work from home um, and they don't want to, 
for whatever reason, um, is a risk of a constructive dismissal claim in a non-unionized environment and a risk of a grievance in a unionized environment under a collective agreement. Um, and so uh, there are risks to doing that. Certainly I anticipate, um, I think we all do, that there's gonna be a lot of conversations um, about you know, hybrid models, whether people work from home sometimes and come in sometimes, or whether some employees decide to stay home and that works great for them and the employer versus those that need to get back in the office. I think one thing to be careful about is if you permit someone to work from home post pandemic and then change your mind and force them to come back, then because you've a, you, you, that um, permission to work from home post pandemic no longer has that exceptional circumstance reason, the pandemic itself, then forcing them to come back could also be a constructive dismissal claim. And so it is gonna force employers to make a decision kind of on, well, not on the spot, hopefully we'll all know. And, uh, but when the pandemic is not a, the reason for the work from home, um, that, you know, they'll have to make some decisions on which way to go. But yeah. forcing someone who's been working at the kitchen table who doesn't wanna do that anymore, um, could be a constructive dismissal. Complaint. Okay, wow. So let's keep talking about the kitchen table, so to speak. So let's say uh, we have employees that are working from home and uh, they do happen to be working at the kitchen table, meaning they're not at a proper desk, they're not at a proper chair, uh, and their ergonomics are all screwed up. Is there, you know, is there a risk to employers uh, in, in, in that regard, uh, Raquel? So this is a terrible lawyer answer, but it depends. Um, uh, so right now, it's not 100% clear what portions, if any, of the Occupational Health and Safety Act in Ontario applies to um, a work-from-home arrangement. Certainly, the freedom from harassment and violence does apply. We, we could see no court or tribunal that would, uh, or board that would, um, would say otherwise. We, we can't even envision that. Um, but in terms of inspecting uh, and ensuring a, um, a safe environment, you know, that becomes more difficult when you're talking about um, people's homes, right? And so uh, it's not clear whether or not uh, if somebody um, has an ergonomic issue uh, at, at home, whether that's a health and safety uh, breach under OSHA that could be, um, that could trigger liability. However, the w if you are a, a, an employer that is covered by WSIB, if they get injured while working in their home, WSIB covers that. Okay. So you may not be required to maintain a safe environment in the home because OSHA doesn't require that, but you're on the hook if they get hurt. So there's a financial incentive to, um, to ensure that people are safe. The other thing to think about too is to be really clear about where somebody is working and when they're working. So for example, you need to think far more, um, far more than we are, I think, in terms of you know, talking to the employee, but where is it that you're working? And let's talk about the setup you have at, at your home so that we know where you are. Um, and when are you working? You need to work between eight and four. And so the reason I say that is if somebody, um, let's envision somebody who gets up in the middle of the night and they're in their kitchen where they didn't tell their employer that's where they'd be working from. And it's in the middle of the night when the employer doesn't expect them to work and yet they trip and fall 
on a cord and break their arm, um, is that a WSIB injury potentially because they were working, but it's not necessarily in the course of employment because you were not supposed to be working in the middle of the night in your kitchen. It, it becomes extremely complicated. And so there needs to be much more discussion about the where and when an employee works from home. That's, and then that... even more complicated is on the where piece is where, Ontario or Quebec? Because in Quebec, there are different rules. And if somebody works permanently from home in Quebec, all of the Quebec laws will kick in, not the Ontario laws. So that's a whole other layer of complication um, in terms of, you know, which, what vacations owed, um, what kind of rights you have upon termination of employment. And in Quebec, the, the home is under their occupational health and safety regime. So it becomes, um, it, in the Ottawa, in the national capital region, it's far more complicated, the work from home situation than let's say at a Toronto because of the, um, the people working at a Quebec. Wow. That, yeah. uh, that is really eye-opening. I never considered that someone could be, uh, you know, here in the National Capital Region, as you said, working in Gatineau, and they're under a different regime. Well, listen, uh, Raquel, we're, uh, we're going to bring Peter back in. Uh, Peter, you've been watching the live chat function for us, and I think you've got some questions. So why don't we start um, posing some of those to, uh, to Raquel? Absolutely. So our first question actually came in uh, by email uh, yesterday, just ahead of the uh, the, the broadcast. Uh, this is an interesting uh, vaccine question. We talked about um, employees as well as uh, contractors, but what about prospective employees, job candidates? So can an employer ask a job candidate if they're vaccinated or if they plan to get uh, vaccinated uh, during the uh, the interview process? So in the normal course, you would never ask medical information from a job candidate. Um, and, and you have to be very careful. It's a little bit of careful what you wish for and careful what you ask for. Because once you know that, and let's say you find out somebody's not been vaccinated and you choose not to hire them, and then you find out the reason they're not vaccinated is because they have a disability or a medical condition or a religion, then you've therefore just not hired somebody contrary to the Ontario Human Rights Code. So my advice would be not to ask that question. Um, and then once a conditional offer has been made, you're more free to have those kinds of discussions. Um, and so I would tread very carefully um, about asking those kinds of questions. And in fact, the Ontario Human Rights Code prohibits certain types of questions. Um, both on job ads and during job interviews. That's good advice. Uh, the next question has to do with uh, with screening. And, uh, you know, I have to admit, I'm now suddenly comfortable with all these technologies that I had never even imagined uh, only, you know, a couple of years uh, ago about having my uh, my, my temperature checked and uh, and what, what have you. Well-meaning employers uh, may be erring on the side of caution, want to make sure that they're screening anyone that comes um, into their office. But uh, there's there's a bit of a balance there and not to be too too intrusive. I wonder if you have any sort of general advice for employers on what they should be thinking about when they're setting up screening in trying to keep COVID out of the, uh, the, the workplace and what is permissible and what might be crossing a line. Uh, so there was a, at the beginning of this, there was a lot of discussion of should I be taking the temperatures of all of my employees? And as they come in. Um, and we now know that all these asymptomatic people are going around spreading COVID unknowingly and, and certainly un, 
not purposely. Um, and so, you know, again, that gives you a false sense of security. Oh, they don't have a fever, so I can let them in, and yet they're asymptomatic. So I think the, the key thing is, again, follow public health guidelines, right? There is a list of questions that all employers must ask their employees before they're allowed to come in. I filled out my little, you know, have you traveled outside of the country? You know, have you been in contact with someone who's positive? Do you have any of these symptoms? I had to answer all that on a little app before I was even allowed into my office today. Um, and, uh, and no one is allowed to go to work unless they, they answer those questions. And so those are the questions you should be using, the ones that public health require of us as employers. Another question that, that came up, uh, again, deals with uh, location of work. Uh, interesting, in our conversation that we're having today, we've sort of looked at the two extremes, uh, working in the office or working from home. Uh, the question was along the lines of, can an employer tell employees, our policy is you need to do what you're most comfortable with, and when you need to be in the office, you need to come to the office, but please use your judgment. Is that uh, um, um, an option available to, to employers? I think so. I, um, I think, again, you know, whether an employee is comfortable or not, I guess that I, I hear that word and I'm like, well, what does comfortable mean? Um, and, and I'm always concerned when it's, it's not clear <laughs> as a lawyer, right? We like clarity of language and clarity of rules uh, in the employment world. And so in terms of, of dealing on a case by case basis with an employee, um, and, and, you know, and this is sort of post pandemic. Yeah, you can have those discussions, but you need to have some rules in place about, you know, when does the employer expect you in? And you also need as an employer to make sure that you maintain the right to change the, the agreement, um, right? And if you don't have that right, it becomes a term and a condition of an employee that they get to come and go at will. And then if you wanna change that, it becomes an issue and a potential constructive dismissal claim. So I would, you know, I would say that, yes, of course, employers can set up any kind of arrangement with their employees that both meets their operational needs and the needs of the employee, as long as the rules of the game are clear. Um, and always that the employer has the right to change those rules subject to any human rights accommodation requirement. But I would say at the moment, again, April 20th, 2021, the kind of, if you feel comfortable coming in sort of discussion, I think given the numbers right now and there's lots of discussion about who's essential and who's not and who should be working from home and so on i would say now is the time for employers to um to not just say sure if you feel comfortable come on into the workplace right like it i think uh at at this stage of the game with the numbers as high as they are that employers have the right to say look you all can work from home and you really should work from home right now we all need to do our part essentially and uh, a follow-up question to a comment you made, again, thinking about uh, the workplace location. Um, let's say that, you know, once public health measures uh, do allow employees back into the workplace and an, an employer does ask uh, an employee with, with some uh, proper notice, as you, you mentioned, to say, I'd like you to come back to work. And the employee says, no, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm going to continue to work from home. What should an employer's next step be in that conversation with the employee? Uh, to ask why. I think that's, you have every right to ask why. Um, and I always, I always, my metaphor I always use is there's two paths we're going down here now. I have asked you to come back to work and you're saying no. We have the path 
of you're abandoning your job because your job's actually in the workplace and you're refusing to come to work? Or um, are we on a path where I need to accommodate something under the human rights regime? Um, and so you have every right to, to ask why. And then um, even when it comes to a disability reason, for example, or an accommodation for family status, you have the right to ask for some, not lots of information, but some information um, to uh, to substantiate and to facilitate a kind of accommodation in the workplace. And so we could do a whole other session on the duty to accommodate under the human rights code. But um, but yeah, you 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 have every right. The first step should to say, explain to me why you're not coming back because I need to understand. And Mike, I think we have time for one more one more uh, question to work in. Um, so this is a a question dealing with unvaccinated uh, employees, you know, in in the uh, in, in in the workplace, and specifically, what happens if an unvaccinated employee either contracts COVID nineteen in the workplace or transmits uh, COVID nineteen to uh, to to a colleague? Is an employer liable in that case, and is there anything that an employer could do to reduce their uh, their liability uh, in a situation such as that? Well, again, it's going to come down to um, it's going to come down to uh, whether you've met your occupational health and safety requirements, and then in terms of more um, litigation, I mean, there's litigation coming down the pipe about whether or not even if you did follow what was, you know, sort of public health guidelines, were you still acting reasonably enough to protect employer, your employees? Uh, and so um, until that litigation kind of makes its way through the courts and we get a sense what, what the courts think are, um, are the, the requirements by employers to, to keep people safe, um, then, uh, you know, then it's, it, the best thing to do is to absolutely follow all um, public health guidelines. Um, and certainly, you know, under the WSIB regime, people are, WSAB is finding that people are more likely than not having caught COVID in a workplace um, and providing them with benefits. So if you're covered, um, then, you know, you have a financial incentive to ensure, if nothing else, uh, to ensure that your employees um, are not catching COVID in the workplace. Great. Well, thank you very much, Raquel. We appreciate that. Mike, back over to you. Uh, thanks, thanks, Peter. Great job uh, moderating those questions. I was watching them come in. Uh, Raquel, clearly, uh, it's a hot button issue because there are many people with many questions. And I appreciate, you know, when when we have the the great team at uh, Eamon Harden coming on these webinars, it is a evolving situation. Uh, but really, you've left people with so many takeaways today. Such. Uh, such important issues to uh, talk about. So we, as is always the case, we're scratching the surface of these. So maybe we'll we'll bring up your contact information here on screen, Raquel, and how can uh, people contact you? Just walk them through that. I guess there's a direct line, is that? Yeah, so that's my direct line here in the office, but I I have it just forwarded to my cell phone now okay. <laughs> because I'm never in the office other than yeah. today for the first time and I can't remember when. Um, yeah. Uh, and obviously email, I'm always checking my email. Um, our website is, um, is the part of my email address there, ehlaw.ca. And we have, um, we have focus alerts uh, and email, sort of email blasts that people can keep up to date. We're trying to keep it up to date as much as possible. We have a COVID part of our website 
that people can go to um, to to check out um, the most recent information um, about all of these all of these questions as they ever evolve. Yes, and they will continue to do so. Uh, uh, having said that, let's hope we're getting towards the the end of this thing, or at least this this level of severity, at least. So, yeah. thank you so much, Raquel, for being part of this today. We really appreciate it. Uh, have a great day. Hope to see you soon. Thank you very much. Have okay. a great day. Bye. Uh, listen, uh, that was great. Thank you, everyone, for uh, joining us. I think uh, it was an example of why we need to keep our eye as employers on uh, on the legal ball in this and get some really good advice. Uh, so please reach out to Raquel and her colleagues at uh, Eamon Harnden. Uh, just as a reminder, as I sign off, that uh, you can also stay informed about local business news uh, by visiting obj.ca. Uh, that website is updated throughout the day. Uh, great, great local resource for local CEOs and other business leaders. I also highly recommend that you subscribe to our weekday, Monday to Friday, email newsletter. That's obj. Uh, uh, obj today, excuse me. And you can visit obj.ca uh, to uh, to sign up for that. We have many, many uh, tens of thousands of social media followers. And since you're likely watching this on YouTube, we ask that you click the red subscribe button and hit the little bell icon. And if you do so, you'll be notified when we're broadcasting live on YouTube. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of uh, Raquel and Peter, uh, I'm Michael Curran signing off from the Ottawa Business Journal. We hope to see you real soon. Bye-bye.